tried to share something that God been speaking to me the last couple of days. And uh, I prophesy, you know, they say that uh, some cancers are worse than other, some others, some are more aggressive than others. <coughs> but consequently, if I understand right, some of the most aggressive are the ones that are more responsive in a, in a good way for the chemotherapy. That's correct? The more aggressive, the more, the more bad the situation, the more powerful the medication can work. And I think that's a feeling I have tonight. The bigger the need you have, the more powerful the message might be that the Lord is speaking to us today. My wife and I were standing in a waiting room today in a children's hospital and got an old memories we forgot for many years. There was, this, there was a picture, I believe, of uh, London from up on top, the tower with a clock, you know, and everything. By the way, the focus, Peter Pan was flying above it. Peter Pan and his other deal. If you are over 30, you probably know what I'm talking about. And I told my wife, she said, I forget it. It was so many years ago. We, we, we were reading those kind of fantasies. But I said to her, the reason it's there, the reason it's there everybody wants to believe there is something above the Big Bang. That the Big Bang that's always been there is not big enough or tall enough or powerful enough when we are really in need. So Peter Payne won't be big enough. And I thought, I believe that what Brother Kevin was speaking, that's what I was thinking on the level of, of the mind. It's Peter Payne. It's, it's experiencing everything as a, as a movie, as a drama, as a cartoons, as an opera. It's something you always outside. You're something you never throw yourself inside and really break. But then when you get on the elevator and you stand next to a, a, a child with a tube in his mouth, sedated, you pray on the way, God, would you please help me to bring something to this situation, something from you? Amen. And I know Peter Pan won't be enough telling stories about all kind of touch of a magic wand and this and happy ever after. And I told somebody this week, when you go to places like this, they invested many thousands of dollars to build a beautiful play yard outside. Because there's something in you that when a child is suffering, you want to give them everything you can. They haven't lived yet their life. You want to give them an opportunity. That's why you read, they took this child from the chemo uh, department right into Disneyland. You know? They took this <coughs> sick child to see his football star, you know, or basketball star. You, just, you want to give them something. It's inside every one of us to help a child to suffer. 
in this old uh, stock right there, unless there is a God. And unless he's more <coughs> than just a theory in the mind, <coughs> amen, unless he really experientially, you learn to know him, like Brother Kevin said, Lord, I want to know you more. Deeper in my soul, I want to know you. And when I breathe, what do they say? My final breath. Oh, that's what it says that we come to the end. I want to know you so deep that I can hold to your hand and cross the chasm that Peter Pan cannot help anyone to cross. The chasm of dirty, ugly, diminishing death that stand between us and eternity. And I want to know you so deep that it's going to be another step. We heard Brother Blair ministered it to us for 48 years and then exemplified it and walked through it. Just one more river to cross. And I, I felt like the Lord was speaking to me. I mean, it was so powerful. We are standing next to the bed and looking at the young man and saying, look at this evangelist. Look at this evangelist. He can't do anything except his life are doing something already. His mom said to my wife, he never complained. Before he was sedated, he never complained. Well, finally, 10 years old, that going through what he went through, and it didn't begin here, again 10 years ago, and never complained. I thought to myself, if there was no God, I would take him to Disneyland. But there is a God. Which means there is a bigger purpose to his suffering. Amen. The word passion. What is it that we all know? The passion of Christ. No. The suffering of Christ. And there is a purpose in God that is bigger than what we see right now in the suffering. And it's take just this intimate, experiential knowledge of the almighty God to keep hearing His voice in the valley of the shadow of death. And just to be blunt, what are we doing here, folks? Helping one another to die. We are preparing today to the last one. Amen. And God is dishing it in His mercy, in a measures that what we spoke today next to the bed, in measures so we can face it with a victory and hold on to His unchanging hand and get victory here and then get victory there and then get the victory and we are moving along toward eternity change inside and changing others amen let me read you this scripture God spoke to me yesterday and I ask you a question explain to me 
what does it mean? On the road to Damascus, Paul from Tarsus is falling off to the ground. Hear a voice tell him to go to Damascus. He's going to Damascus. He's there fasting and praying. And um, there was a certain disciple in Damascus named Ananias. You know the story. Ananias, here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire of a house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he's praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias. Ananias, it's already in motion what the purpose of God is. He had a vision and he saw a man named Ananias. You know why you're in Damascus? Do you understand why I have you here? Amen. Hard to see the big picture right away. In a vision, named Ananias putting his hand on him so that he received his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to you saints in Jerusalem. And here he had an authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. Do you hear Ananias? And you see, we are talking about a different kingdom here and it's hard for the mind. But the spirit can follow it. Amen. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered. Why? The inauguration of Saul from Tarsus to be Paul is in this this explain to me this ver- this one scripture for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Why? Do you think Jesus was upset with Saul who were persecuting him? Do you think he wanted to punish him? Isn't that an incredible scripture? I want to show him how must it's how necessary it is. That's the word. How must it mean? How necessary it is for him to to suffer for my name's sake. This word suffer come in the New Testament 39 times. It's speaking about the suffering and Jesus and such. Amen. Why did he say that? Because he didn't love Paul? What do you think? Amen. Go and tell him, let's see, I'll show him how much he must suffer for me. It's necessary for him to suffer for my name's sake. Do you think it's because Jesus want to get back at Saul from Tarsus? Because he was such a bad man? You say no. So what does it mean? The word uh, uh, to suffer, the word in Hebrew to suffer, the suffering, it's the same word, the same root, it's to carry. Suffer, take the same root word as to carry, you know. And it's the same root word of the modern Hebrew, patient. 
endurance. Suffer, suffering, carrying. Somebody carrying something for us. The suffering, the passion of Christ. Passion. I believe already it's come from the Latin. To suffer with patience. I believe that's what I read in, before in the in the in the Webster. You know, I remember Brother Abraham standing in a meeting years ago, coming in with a cane when he had one of his uh, thing from his affliction, and he had to come up with a cane and sat down, and he ministered about laying in bed unable to get off the couch because of the vertigo he had, because of his disease, and thinking about life, and thinking about his mortality, but taking a cane and come to the meeting. You know, he couldn't open his eyes. He was so sick, I remember. And the meeting was over, and he went down, and a young brother, married with family, went down the aisle, make a beeline to Brother Abraham, and said to him, when you're speaking today, Brother Abraham, about your mortality, facing your mortality, I said to myself, what am I doing with my life? So, maybe though the bigger reason from God for the suffering. Go, um, I want to show you how necessary it is for him to suffer for my name's sake. I believe that's what he was saying about Paul. And it had to do with what different people say, you know. Something about Paul's life going to speak very loud for God's name's sake. Of course, we remember the scripture about the Lord from Hebrews, he learned obedience by the things he suffered and became the author of eternal salvation for all who trust in him, believe in him. There's a scripture I believe Brother Howard read in Josh and Susanna's wedding. For to you it has been granted for Christ's sake not only to believe in him but also to suffer for his sake for to you he tells Ephesians I believe it has been granted for Christ's sake not only to believe in him but also to suffer for his sake granted is the word charismony from to show favor and give freely. For you, it has been showed favor and been given to you freely. Not for Christ's sake, not for you, for Christ's sake. Not only to believe in Him, but also to suffer. Hear the suffer again. I must show him how must he suffer for my name's sake. Hear the suffer again. Now Paul is writing to the Philippians. There's a reason why Paul can write it to the Philippians. The word there, granted, it's come from the word grace and kindness. It's from the word grace. Charis. 
For you have received the grace. You've been chosen. And we are talking today with, mother, with parents and grandma. And we say, how many of us, how many of us have been encouraged one day or another by the book of Job? How many of us read it in time in our life? When it wasn't just Bible reading, but there were struggles in your life. And here you have a man who, uh, who lose his belonging, lose his family, then lose his health. And if only bad people around him. Nobody there to encourage him with something from God. He's full of questions. He's full of uh, wonders. But what come out of the mouth of this squeezed life? Though he's slay me, yet I will trust in him. I know my Redeemer's lead. And in the last, I'll see him face to face, walking on the earth. My Redeemer liveth. And you know, that was the, the focus. That was the, the magnifying glass of crisis. That's what he feel when we are going through the pain, the valley, the crucible, the suffering. That's what we feel. That's what our flesh feels. That's what our, our soul feels. You know, the devil sent discouragement. The, same, the devil sent his lies. The devil sent his encouraging word. He can send you best friends to tell you, <laughs> nobody's seen somebody righteous suffer like this. <laughs> Amen. Just curse God and die. Or bless God and die in, in the more, you know. Amen. And shh, you're speaking like a worthless woman, you know. Should we get only the good from God and not the bad? And he didn't sin in his mouth and he worshiped God. Now what does he say? The wide angle? Behold my servant Job. That's a wide angle. Behold a man I trust to the devil. Behold God say a man I put my reputation on him. By himself. The great evangelist. Job. So when you look at it like this. You suddenly say. Ha. Huh, God is working something. Amen. That's why he say. If you suffer. Suffer as Christians. Peter said. Don't suffer for wrongdoing. Don't suffer for disobedience. Don't suffer for stubbornness. Don't suffer for whatever else. And if you do. Repent and let it something that's gonna turn to praise. You know? God be purpose. On the earth have been inaugurated much by Job, but by many others, and of course the Lord. I told you for those that have the worst case of sickness, spiritual, not just physical, this gonna come deeper to your soul because you know you need it and for those who don't I can just submit to you you will need it I need it 
something come in everyone's way. Pain, loss, heart attack, cancer. Amen. Uh, this problem, this problem, what, how it's going to come. It's come on this cursed world to anyone somehow. Amen. And we can, we can just get in the car and go into the other system because we have faith in them. Or we can go and say, God, help me to be faithful to whatever you put my way. If you want me to go to that system, I'm going with faith as a witness of your greatness and marvelous glory. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I don't believe it will punishment to the to Saul from Tarsus. I believe God was telling him they're going to be great things you know, in your life. Now, I'll share a little conversation I had with Brother Nathan uh, the day before yesterday or two days ago. He ministered it last Friday and I'll just try to tell you what I got for me. That's Paul. After going through what he went through, how his life turned to be, therefore I rejoice in my affliction, rejoice in my suffering, for when I'm weak, you are strong. And he's saying, but know this, mark this, in the last days, perilous and terrible time will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, Bostrates, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, despite of good, traitors, covenant breakers, in other words, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God, having the form of godliness, but denying its power. And from such people, Turn away. From such people, turn away. In the last day, North Korea. No. In the last day, uh, COVID. In the last day, this. He say nothing about it. Perilous time will come. And it starts by people going to be lovers of themselves. But understand this. That in the last days will come a perilous time of great stress in trouble, hard to deal with, and hard to bear. That's uh, amplified. For people will be lovers of self and utterly self-centered. Lovers of money and arose by an inordinate greedy desire for wealth. Proud and arrogant, contentious and boisterous, there will be abusive, blasphemous, coughing, disobedient to parents, and on and on and on. He says something terrible is coming. It's a word used for demonic activity, Brother Howard said. Perilous time will come. People are going to be lovers of themselves. And Brother Dean apparently shared something many years ago. And Brother Nathan left a note of it. In a lexicon, he was reading lovers of themselves. You see, it starts with lover of themselves and end up lover of pleasure and, uh, rather than lover of God. You see, it's sandwich the love of self that replaces the love of God. 
But he said, but the Nathan said that brother then in a lexicon read this definition. Someone whose primary concern is that things be easy or pleasant for them. I'll read you one more uh, scripture. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. But the word that delight yourself is be soft, be pliable. That's what the word means. Now listen to it like this. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on His faithfulness. Be soft. Be pliable in the Lord. And He shall give you the desire of your heart. Make yourself soft. Pliable. Easy to work with. And He'll give you the desire of your heart. And I believe I heard it was ministered. That's what you feel when you do pottery. Some of you potters that are sitting here. Amen. Some of the potter ask them if it's too brittle, too hard, it's, it's going to stink. It's not going to work. It's too hard, you can't fashion it. You put too much water, it becomes too soft. Is that right? Yes, and you can't pull the walls up. Pliable, soft, mean it needs to be just right. Not too harsh, not too hard, and not too mushy. There is pressure come from the inside and the outside. If you are too brittle when the pressure comes, you're not going to be that vessel. If you are too softy, too marshmallow, too uh, 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 you know, we call it no backbone, whatever way we call it. Amen. When the pressure comes from the inside and out, amen, you're just going to melt. And the vessel of honor God want to make from us, for what purpose? Do not be surprised for the fiery trial come your way. Why do they do all this work? Because this vessel going to go through fire if it's going to be useful for the master. There are two kinds of vessels, Paul tells Timothy, some for honor and some for dishonor. If somebody clean himself from the letter, from the dishonor, he'll be a vessel of honor. And that's what it said, you know. You can't be too, and too brittle and too scared and too uh, the two this and you can't be too mushy. You have to have make yourself pliable. Make be pliable to the Lord. Amen. Do you remember this Jewish woman? Somebody might remember her name. Brother Blair spoke to us. Maybe somebody remember who died during the time of the Holocaust, but not in the Holocaust. He wrote he he read to us something she wrote that was 
profound in its inside. Simone Weil, and I can perfectly say, if the force inside you is not greater than the force outside of you, you can never be nonviolent. You can never be nonviolent. You're always going to succumb because there needs to be something in you that is stronger than the one that is in the world. That's what he said. The one that is in you is stronger, stronger, more powerful than the one that is in the world. And when I heard it, I saw it. We start talking. How, how, how does it work? You see, uh, crisis come, cancer come, uh, uh, physical crisis here come, a loss come, a tragedy come. Here the outside pressure come. Here the outside pressure come. You don't want it. It's not what you ask for. That doesn't fit with the schedule. We can get something else, you know? Amen. But there's an inside something from this intimate relationship with God that say, one more river to cross. One more river to cross. I'll meet it, God, head on. I'm not gonna I'm gonna meet it head on with the love of God, with the power of God, with the perseverance of God. Amen. And this inside force that Simone Weil said got to be bigger than the outside. It's getting the walls of your life and my life up. God is working on his eternal vessel. That through the church, through the church, the eternal purpose of God going to be manifested to the principalities. Not the temporal purpose, not the today purpose, the eternal purpose of God. So when the pressure comes on the outside, accusation, slander, sickness, loss, misunderstanding, something inside of us is so pliable. Make yourself pliable to Yahweh. I trust you, God. I trust you, God. And He'll give you inside not you let your, the desire of your heart will change to be God's desire. Therefore, when God dealing with us under, under pressure, when there are pressures in our life and we feel like God is dealing with us, He say, don't go there. Don't behave like this. Don't cave in. Yes, look terrible. It might actually be terrible. But caving in won't help one bit. Let's face it. Like Brother Blair said in the 40th, God not going to be a big softie. I ensure his company. One save, always save. No trouble, no problems. Amen. In this world, you're going to have much tribulation. But take heart. I've overcome the world. Amen. Amen. And God is putting something inside on us that's of inside we're going to be stronger than the outside. Amen. If I would ask everyone here, if you are anybody, I'll ask, who had changed because of unpleasant crisis that came to his life? When you look back on those crises that came to your life, 
Do you see God using it to change you? Who have changed from crises that came to your life and made you closer to Jesus and change you? Who have changed from somebody else next to you, near you, that you love? Amen. That went through the fire and it pulled something out of you and changed you. Anybody here? One more river to cross. Amen. Amen. And you went with them. And you felt it and you said, oh God, this child of mine. Oh God, this grandchild of mine. Oh God, oh God, I wish I could be in the bed instead of him. But I can't. But I can be there with my heart, soul, and strength. I can suffer with them. And you didn't say, God, let me take him to Disneyland. Let me take him out to jump on the trampoline, you know. You said, God, save us. Save us your grace, your power. You things that are going to take us all the way. You're not that big softy. But you told us you had a love that took you through the fire. And you'll take us too. Amen. And the one thing I want to hear, it might be in eternity. It might be later on. Behold my servant. He honored me. Amen. His attitude. Amen. Amen. I minister, I share the word of encouragement with somebody who lost his father not long ago. Struggled in the family. And I understood it. I understood. I mean, how can you know? Who's not going to feel it? And I told him, give a word of encouragement to your mother. There was a lady standing up in our meeting two weeks ago. She couldn't sit down. She had to stand up. And thank the Lord for his mighty, wonderful hand. And her name is Sister Regina. Amen. And there are a few others in this church who went through the valley. No complaint. No self-pity. No questioning God. But saying, one more river to cross God. The Lord giveth. The Lord taketh away. Blessed it be the name of the Lord. Amen. He worshipped God. He didn't sin. He didn't sin with his mouth. Amen. And I was reading in Psalm 73 this week. The tragedy of the wicked and the blessedness of trust in God. Truly God is good to Israel, to such as are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet have almost stumbled. My step has almost slipped. For I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked and the arrogant. For there is no pain in their death. Go down until the 13th verse, 14, 15, 16, and then he said, ah, Until I enter the sanctuary of God. Then I understood that being perspective. Amen. How so many of us are different people because of the crisis who came our way and came to people we love. So when God is dealing with us in the easy thing, in the small thing about how we respond under pressure, how we function under pressure, how we talk under pressure, how we 
Don't lose it under pressure. He loves us. Because it's easy to go on the small fire than when the big one comes. So, go, Ananias, and lay hand on this man, this murderer named Saul from Tarsus. Go lay hand on him, because he'd been praying. And he had a vision, and a man named Ananias came lay his hand on him, so he can receive his sight. Because I must show him. I, I got to show him how, how much he, he must suffer for my namesake. What a witness he's going to be for my namesake. So God send us healing. God send us comfort. God send us wisdom. But above all, send us the passion, you know, the ability to go as Christians to whatever come my way. Because it's going to come. And the giants of the faith, look at them. See if any one of them had, a, had just an easy pass. Amen? Except Elijah, every one of them does, I believe. And Enoch, you know? Thank you, Jesus. One, one more river.